Welcome to the ABA Journal Legal Rebels podcast, where we talk to men and women who are remaking the legal profession, changing the way the law is practiced, and setting standards that will guide us into the future. What are legal operations? According to the Corporate Legal Operations Consortium, also known as CLOCK, Legal ops can be loosely defined as, quote, a set of business processes, activities, and the professionals who enable legal departments to serve their clients more effectively by applying business and technical practices to the delivery of legal services. Legal ops provides the strategic planning, financial management, project management, and technology expertise that enables legal professionals to focus on providing advice, end quote. Additionally, legal ops are a multidisciplinary profession that includes backgrounds like finance, marketing, data analytics, and engineering, among others. In other words, they handle a lot of the business and technological stuff that many lawyers either aren't trained to handle or don't want to deal with. Also, lawyers can focus on practicing law and representing their clients to the best of their abilities. Long a fixture in the in-house world, legal operations recently expanded into the law firm realm. In October, Amlaw 100 law firm Sherman & Sterling announced it had set up a legal operations division to provide knowledge management, legal technology, business intelligence, and other services for its corporate law department clients. What does all of that mean? And why was this such a unique move for a law firm? My name is Victor Lee, and I'm an assistant managing editor with the ABA Journal. And joining me on today's episode of the ABA Journal Legal Rebels podcast is Anthony Whittup. Anthony is the newly named Global Director of Legal Operations at Sherman and Sterling, and he's here today to talk to us about his group's objectives and goals. Welcome to the show, Anthony. Hi, Victor. Thanks for having me. Thanks. So tell me a little bit, a bit about yourself. It looks like you have a business background having spent time at KPMG. So you, you don't have a law degree, is that right? That's right. Yeah. So my background uh, prior to Sherman was both working for law firms, but latterly in management consulting for KPMG. Gotcha. And so how did how did you join the firm come about? Like, were you recruited in? Did you apply? What, what drew you to this particular position in this particular firm? Yeah, so I'd spent my time at KPMG as a management consultant, and my whole career has been in change management roles. And and so latterly at KPMG, I was heading up their change proposition in the UK, and we were working with with clients in financial services, banks, and a lot of work from a change perspective post-global financial crisis. And uh, Sherman reached out to me about five and a half years ago to say that they were building a, a new team called Legal Project Management. Now, I'd heard something about this because uh, a couple of roles back uh, prior to doing an MBA, I had actually built a, a pricing function for a, a European law firm out of London called CMS. And uh, LPM had obviously moved on in the intervening years, but I hadn't really stayed in contact with it too much because I had obviously moved, moved sector. My, my focus was elsewhere. And so it was really a, an exciting opportunity. It was a greenfield site almost. Um, there, were, there was one other a leadership member based out of New York, and they were creating what, what sounded like to be a really exciting offering in a law firm and also in a, in a top New York law firm. Gotcha. And so the stereotype about lawyers is that they don't always understand business or technology, making it necessary to hire people such as yourself. Um, have you found that to be the case? And if so, like what, what is it about lawyers, in your opinion, that causes them to be like this? So I guess in every stereotype, there's there's some truth, but perhaps it's also <laughs> somewhat simplistic uh, on on the surface. So so there are definitely lawyers who who fully get this area and fully get technology, and you, you might call those early adopters, and, and those are the people who you always see with the latest gadgets, or they're very quick to adopt uh, you know new techniques that that might be brought 
you know, from different industries or from different parts of the firm. And then at the other extreme, you obviously have have lawyers who have been very successful for a generation, you know, applying really a, a tried and, and tested method for um, the practice of law. And so, so we see all all those types, uh, you know, within the organisation and, and actually across across the sector more more generally. But I think um, I think the key thing that struck me when when I joined Sherman was that there was, from a leadership perspective, a real realization of. Uh, the need to change, the need to modernize, and the need to accept and adopt practices that until then had not been a common practice within within law. Gotcha. And you know, you mentioned you came from KPMG and whatnot. Obviously, um, you know, um, one of the one of the big accounting giants. Like, have you found a lot of differences between those worlds, the accounting world and the and the and the law firm world, or have you have you also seen some similarities there? In terms of similarities, so both organizations are structured as partnerships. Uh, perhaps um, big big four are much more corporatized in their structure, in their formation, but also how they operate day to day. But ultimately, they're a partnership. They have fee earning individuals. I was a fee earner there in the management consulting division in the banking practice. Um, and then, obviously, um, structures somewhat different depending on geography, and they work as as national partnerships. So you you have some similar common areas, I, I think. So within both types of organizations, you have individuals at the top of their game, but also who are technical SMEs, um, normally in you know, quite a narrow subject matter. So they're deep SMEs, but in a, in a relatively narrow subject matter. So there are a lot of similarities there with, with law firms. So obviously in, in accountant uh, firms like Big Four, their, their heritage was in accounting, but then they moved into everything from, from tax you know, to advisory and, and latterly legal services. And so when I was um, leaving KPMG, um, they were just broadening and, and increasing their um, legal services reach across many of their existing clients. And so uh, in, in terms of uh, differences, I, I think some of the key differences are around process management, technology, and, and, and many law firms, uh, even the largest law firms, uh, are so much smaller than, than the big four. And so from a, from a technology standpoint, uh, the systems and the architecture are that much broader, deeper, and, and globalized. But I, but I do think progressive law firms are catching up in that regard. Uh, you know, may, maybe they don't need to be as um, as broad in terms of the actual architecture and systems that many of the big four are using. But I do think there are some some similarities there, and there are also some some benefits in in being smaller and and more nimble. Well, I, I think someone once told me that. Um... You know, a lot of the uh, technological innovations that happen at, at accounting firms ended up at law firms later on, and so yeah, maybe maybe that's why they hired you, right? <laughs> maybe they, maybe they wanted uh, someone with inside knowledge. Yeah. So I mean, I don't know that that was on their minds, and uh, and, <laughs> and no one's ever told me since. But but certainly, I'm seeing now more people who have come, uh, you know, from from accountancies, from other professional services, from banking, from management consulting. Uh, and ultimately, you know, if you look at innovation and change, you know, there there are a lot of common clients, right? So law firms, accountancies, you know, management consultants are often working for the same corporates, the same organizations. They're just tapping into slightly different stakeholders within those organizations. So ultimately, the, the clients are looking to change at this time. They're looking to drive innovation, and really, they're looking to their advisors. And so, now I I don't know whether. There are aspects that that can be kind of copied or imitated because I do believe that law firms have their own unique strengths. But there are certainly some areas where you know both sets of organizations can learn from one another. Gotcha. 
We're going to take a quick break for a word from our sponsor. You know those attorneys, the ones who are always on their game, working cases they love, helping people around them, and making a great living? In other words, the attorneys who are building a fulfilling life, they're probably using Smokeball. Smokeball case management software takes care of your busy work, automating and organizing your firm, and helping you make more money without working more hours. So you can focus on what matters. Get on your game with Smokeball. Visit Smokeball.com to learn more and sign up for your free demo. Smokeball. Run your best firm. Build your best life. In a world that's constantly changing, the law and how it's practiced must also evolve to keep up with those changes. The ABA Journal's Asked and Answered podcast dives into the compelling stories surrounding lawyers' personal and professional lives. I'm your host, Stephanie Francis Ward, and each month I bring on a new guest to explore their involvement with our dynamic legal ecosystem. For the stories that bring the law to life, follow the ABA Journal's Asked and Answered podcast, part of the Legal Talk Network. And we're back. So, Anthony, for those who might not be familiar with legal ops or they might have just a passing uh, knowledge of it, how would you explain it to them and why is it important? Yeah, sure. So I was down at the clock recently, the uh, EMEA chapter of clock. And one of the, the things that they were talking about on the day was around how we put the word legal in front of everything in legal. So legal design, legal operations. But but if you just think about the word operations and managing the day-to-day operational needs of a law department of you know whether that be within a corporate or within a law firm so so these um this as a discipline the, these activities are, are rooted in business discipline so these disciplines have been used across other uh, internal functions of the organization for decades so you know when i was in consulting i saw um, finance operations so it's now called finops you see technology operations you see all of these types of operational teams that help those functions operate more efficiently, more effectively uh, to in- improve the experience. But but ultimately, uh, I think for legal operations specifically, it's rooted in process technology and data techniques and, and ways of working. So, so these techniques and ways of working, they're not necessarily new. Uh, they certainly are common to the other business areas I mentioned, but until recently, they were relatively novel for the legal department. And so I, I think you said at the beginning, Victor, now what we're seeing is increasingly with um, the business of law and the practice of law evolving, we're seeing much more of a focus on allowing attorneys to do what they do best, practicing law, and uh, professionalizing the business operations, the legal operations of the legal department with technology professionals, process-oriented professionals, you know, perhaps ex-consultants, people who really understand how attorneys work, the challenges they have, the pain points they're likely to face, and who are experts in their own right in that area. And so we'd see a lot of talent emerging in this space, talent that's coming from from other markets, but we're also seeing people who have perhaps worked in these environments for decades, and they may not have been called a legal operations professional, uh, but they've pivoted and they've reinvented themselves. And I think that's also you know, highly motivating for, for people who are looking to develop their careers in this space. So one thing that, and correct me if I'm wrong, it seems like legal ops tends to be more associated with in-house counsel. So why why is that? And if so, why why did Sherman and Sterling decide to get into the space then? 
Yeah, so I think the, the heritage of legal ops was certainly uh, within the in-house departments. You know, if I look back at the the history of Clock, I, I think Clock was originally a book club on the West Coast. Yeah. Uh, you know, probably about a decade yeah. ago, and it's you know it's really evolved into what is a, a global movement, um, and and it still feels like it's just getting started. And what I mean by that is that there's still just the tip of the iceberg in terms of the number of legal departments who need to transform globally. But I think the the heritage of of legal operations within legal departments was born out of uh, the global financial crisis and the fallout from that. And in terms of legal departments being treated like any other business function, as I mentioned, uh, and within that, there was obviously a big cost imperative for many organizations. So I think the heritage there was within uh, in-house, within cost centers, looking to manage costs, and probably the starting point for, for lots of these organizations was around aspects like firm and vendor management, cost management, and other aspects of, of project management latterly. So being at the firm, have they explained to you like you know why they wanted to get involved into this into this space and what they hope to accomplish? Yeah, sure. So we we've been working so pre-pandemic together with Meredith Williams Range, our, our chief client and knowledge officer, and Lawrence Baxter, our CTO. We had been working on a task force, and so we headed that up. And we had identified; I think there was there was clearly change happening in the market. And prior to the pandemic, we'd identified changes in the landscape for for legal services and premium legal services like that. So some of the things we were seeing, we were seeing clients, uh, I think, increasingly focusing on many of the aspects that historically had fallen outside of the realms of technical legal advice. Uh, and it was clear that that many clients, uh, not all clients, but many clients saw that these additional services were highly valued, um, they were important to them, and and for some clients, it was influencing their buying decisions. Uh, and so what I mean by that, I often say, you know, where everything is equal, all other things that you can do for the client will help differentiate in the eyes of the client and will influence buying decisions. So if the, the capability is equal, let's say the global footprint and the price and, you know, other other parameters, you know, how do you differentiate? You differentiate through additional services and additional ways you can support the client. So we formed the task force. We we identified areas where we could add further value to client relationships. And, and what we found is while we had been providing these services as value adds to our clients for a number of years, we hadn't historically packaged these up into a, a branded offering. And so I, I set to work on doing that. We worked very closely with our exec uh, and uh, a lot of the focus was on where do we have mature capabilities? So if you, if you look at any of the, the legal operations frameworks in the market, CLOCK, the ACC framework and other frameworks out there, you'll see, you'll see something along the lines of a wheel of capabilities. And so what we did was we, we put a hand on heart and we said, where are our capabilities in these areas relatively mature? So not areas where we just have some you know, developing capabilities, but where do we believe we have mature capabilities above average in the market? And then we had a number of uh, discussions with our clients. We also did research in the market to understand what were some of the most common challenges that uh, all types of law department were facing. And so we landed on a core offering. And I think you mentioned at the start of the podcast, Victor, a few of the areas that we focus on. Now, these are a fundamental areas of uh, necessity for any law department, large, small, global, domestic, any type of law department has challenges in the areas of knowledge management, process improvement, you know, business analytics, getting more out of their data. 
legal technology increasingly. And so what we sought to do was create an offering that played to those challenges. So there was a broad and large addressable market. We wanted to bring those capabilities that we have internally um, to our existing clients. This is all about how we add further value to our existing clients. And we wanted to play a part that was consistent with with our firm's brand to support our clients in this space. Gotcha. So I guess my question would be, so, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, Sherman and Sterling, one of the, one of the, one of the biggest firms in the world. I mean, a lot of the clients would be like, you know, fortune 500 companies or like big companies or, you know, pretty established companies, names that we know and whatnot. It would seem like a lot of those companies would already have some form of legal ops in, the, in their setup, either in-house or whatnot. So like, what kind of value w- would you guys be adding or, or would you be focusing on, on, on your clients that maybe don't have those capabilities yet, or they haven't set up that, that type of operations in their, you know, w- within their company? It's mainly the latter. And I think it's also an assumption worth testing. We've been doing this, the assumption that all medium to large companies have this capability. And you know what we found to date is that that's not necessarily the case. Uh, so what we found is that large international uh, clients, you know, they certainly have broad capabilities across many of their business functions, but whether they have you know, a, a broad and deep uh, bench of expertise in the field of legal operations, you know, that's, uh, that's mixed. I think not not everyone has that. You know, some are building that. Clearly, I think our experience has shown that major financial institutions have been relative early adopters in this space, and they, many of them do have broad teams. Uh, but some on the corporate side, it's certainly not the case. And um, you know, clients of all sizes, some are just getting started. Um, and what I mean by that is they're either forming these teams or they're bringing individuals together who can actually form the teams from the existing talent that they have. Uh, some have actually tried it already and they've got stuck and they're looking to you know, repivot and redesign how they operate. Uh, and others may be t- taking a different tack. All right. So we're going to take a quick break for a word from our sponsor. As you know, it's important to keep your voice down when you're inside a library. But it would be really annoying to talk like this all the time. So I'm happy to say that even though the ABA Journal's Modern Law Library podcast discusses a new book with its author every episode, it doesn't take place inside a library, so we don't whisper on the show. What a silly idea that would be. The Modern Law Library podcast, part of the Legal Talk Network. Follow along wherever you get your podcasts. Shh. And we're back. So earlier we talked about how legal ops brings in people from many different industries, many different backgrounds, many different skill sets. I was wondering, does the team that you have at Sherman and Sterling reflect that? It certainly does. So what we have done, so I mentioned uh, Meredith and Lawrence earlier in the call. So we've tapped into our most experienced professionals within their respective teams globally. So we have a real broad mix of expertise. We have, uh, you know, tapping into a community of professionals who have actually provided support in this space for decades. Now, the way it works is that we work upon a a virtual model. So we have the majority of our talent uh, in the United States and in the UK. And and those are both obviously the two largest markets for legal services globally, and they align to our priorities as a firm in terms of growth. So, But in terms of uh, the talent, what we have done in the first wave is we tapped into the most experienced professionals within those communities. So we have about 20 to 25 professionals that we draw on. Those are professionals who have worked in client-facing roles in the past, who are perhaps mid-experienced to senior professionals in their career. And these are individuals who have worked with clients, who've created client engagements, uh, either at Sherman uh, or in previous roles. 
And they're also across a number of the areas that we've got in terms of our offerings. So we have individuals on the technology side, uh, just agnostic of, of, of legal technology specific tools. And we've got specific legal technologists. We've got process professionals, LPM. Uh, we've got other uh, professionals across knowledge management. We tap into our global community of knowledge attorneys, uh, professional support lawyers, as we call them here in the UK. And then so once we bring all of those individuals together, what you find is it's a really powerful community and it's one that's difficult to replicate. So our, our view was that these individuals have the experience and they can provide a lot of value to our clients. And so what we do is, depending on the engagement, depending on the needs from our clients, we dip into that community as needed. So let me ask you uh, just a kind of a general question. I mean, obviously, based in the UK, uh, you work for a New York-based law firm. In the UK, it's not necessarily unique to see non-lawyers and lawyers working closely together. In the US, it's, it's allowed, but there's strict rules about you know what what they can what what they can and can't do and profit sharing and law practice and stuff like that, and, and even then you know you have a lot of lawyers who like to kind of keep things to themselves or they don't like you know or they don't necessarily um, think that they need to work with people outside from outside of the industry. Does being in the UK kind of give you latitude to innovate and experiment with different types of structures? And, and have you noticed any kind of differences in attitude, like when you you know work in you know when you work with the, with lawyers in the UK as opposed to when you work with lawyers in the US? Yeah, so there are some subtle differences. Obviously, there's a there's a common language, which is which is obviously really helpful for for doing business and a lot of other commonalities. But between the geographies, there are those differences that you talked about. I think the UK market is certainly a more liberalised market right now. But we we know that changes are are happening uh, across the states as well, and you know different states are actually looking at this area more closely now. So I think whether it gives us more latitude, what it gives us is it actually gives us the ability to support our clients across our geography. So I mentioned uh, our biggest offices within the firm are New York and London. So we have replicated our capabilities in those two offices uh, to meet the needs of our clients. Many of our clients are, of course, across both jurisdictions. They're they're present in, in both locations. And so it just makes sense for us to have talent and people in both. It also gives us increasingly... so. My internal role, my day job is leading our legal project management team, uh, our process improvement team, pricing and business analytics. It gives us increasingly, and we've been applying this now for some years, almost like a follow the sun model, as you would see in banking and other service industries. So we've been really able to stretch out the day, the working day, to actually get uh, much more to serve the business and to serve our clients. The other benefit is being able to um, tap into different ideas. And, and so we've got we've got a global team. We're obviously working with, with different clients, different individuals. So sometimes we see things happening in one market that are not happening in the other, or there may be a conference, or there may be some new ideas that are, are coming from a different industry. So we found it really fosters, I think, creativity and, and innovation. I think increasingly what we're seeing is many of the, um, the movements in this space, legal operations. You know, we see we had the Legal Geek event recently in London, and there is a, the, obviously the sister event in New York. A lot of these events are being replicated both sides of the pond. There are some subtle differences. I think the differences are narrowing. As more, the more I look at this community globally, I see uh, more individuals collaborating, uh, more partnerships, um, more common projects and common stakeholders, and certainly, you know, after the the pandemic, it's become uh, you know much more fluid. Gotcha. And, and what are some projects that you're working on now that you can talk to us about? Yeah. So, uh, well, a, c- a couple of the offerings. So we we talked a little bit about the services within the portfolio. 
and and those are common challenges that all law departments have. But a couple of the offerings that we created that we're working with clients on right now, one of them is called legal operations in your pocket. And one of the things, so you talked, Victor, about you know large clients that perhaps have legal operations professionals. They may or may not have those, and they may or not be be building those at this time. One of the things that we realized is there is a, a certain size of client, a small to medium-sized client that may be still a major corporation and have major legal needs throughout the year, but they may not have these professionals on staff. They may not even need these professionals due to the ad hoc nature of the support that's required throughout the year. So we created an offering called Legal Operations in Your Pocket that negated the need for our clients to onboard legal operations professionals. One of the things we realized is that legal operations is relatively new, but also there is a certain size of law department that does not have legal operations professionals at this time, nor may they need those types of professionals. So legal operations in your pocket is a subscription model that enables our clients to tap into that expertise for small, short, repeatable projects throughout the year. Uh, So one of the projects I'm working on right now is helping a client uh, form and develop that offering for their needs. So they are a relatively small legal department, I think less than 10 FTE globally, but they do have a lot of operational repeat needs in the areas that we talked about earlier. And one of them that they have identified is around uh, process improvement. And they are looking to capture, to map all of the existing processes, that material processes for their legal function. And we're looking at how we might improve those over the course of 2023. So within the, the construct of legal operations in your pocket, what we do is we work with them virtually to actually set up, provide them with these capabilities so that over time they're able to do this independently themselves uh, and specifically around mapping those processes to identify where there might be opportunities to improve. And then I think secondly, one of the things we're seeing is that lots of legal departments already have access to tools that they can leverage, perhaps not specific to the legal function, but outside of the legal function. And what we're looking to help clients do is how they can you know, use those tools more effectively. So those could be common collaboration tools, Microsoft suite tools that really the organization is already um, paying for and have licenses for, but historically the legal function has not used sufficiently to get sufficient value out of. And finally, if uh, our listeners wish to get in touch with you, what's the best way to do so? Yeah, I always love to actually connect. Uh, and like I said earlier, this is a growing community and learning about what people are doing and share information. So people can connect via LinkedIn. Uh, We have our website, uh, legaloperations.sherman.com. You can reach out to us there and you can follow us uh, via LinkedIn as well. Thanks for joining us, Anthony. I appreciate it. Thanks, Victor. That was fun. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to hear more, please go to your favorite app and check out some other titles from Legal Talk Network. In the meantime, I'm Victor Lee, and I'll see you next time on the ABA Journal Legal Rebels podcast. If you'd like more information about today's show, please visit LegalRebels.com, LegalTalkNetwork.com, subscribe via iTunes and RSS, find both the ABA Journal and Legal Talk Network on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn, or download the free apps from ABA Journal and Legal Talk Network in Google Play and iTunes. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer.